is The Drive with Sam Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. Derek Piper, Kyle Tosk, previewing Illinois and Iowa, tipping off tomorrow at the State Farm Center, listed as a 115 tip on Big Ten Network. A hot Iowa hockey squad that's coming off a win earlier this week in East Lansing, now trying to make a push for the NCAA tournament. Of course, Illinois on the other side, trying to get right after devastating really lingering tough loss there at Penn State Uh, we'll see how that one goes we always know too Illinois Iowa gets the fans ramped up on both sides so let's talk more about that matchup with our buddy Sean Bach Hawkeye Insider does a great job for the Iowa 24-7 site Sean what's up how you doing on a Friday man doing good Derek doing good I mean the vibes are nice on a Friday with the warmer weather out here in the Iowa City area and you know, spring training on the TV, too, yeah. so really can't complain. Are you a Cubs fan? White Sox fan. White so Sox, there we go. Not uh, Me and Werner are in the same, uh, <laughs> in the same boat here. So every time, we, every time we see each other at Big Ten Media Days, it's a hot topic. <laughs> so as a Cardinals fan who isn't currently thrilled with our pitching, can we discuss a Dylan Cease trade that work? I mean, hey, at this point, like, any anything to get – the media to stop talking about it because <laughs> I mean, at this rate, like just give me, just give me any sorts of pride, like give me something to hang on to. Like Yon Mankata, you know, I, I thought he was going to be a stud and now it's like, this is a make or break year for him. And he is just widely disappointed. And, you know, there's so many other factors too. And, you know, this whole building a new stadium in the South loop just seems like a disaster. And, you know, kind of making me happy that I don't live in Cook County with my parents anymore because <laughs> I'm sure that would be uh, that would cost a lot of money with the taxes. Right. I know we're going to get to the hoop side, but uh, before we do that, Iowa baseball, man, I didn't I didn't realize how good they were. Uh, they had a very good season last year, as I've kind of done done some preseason digging, and of course now the the baseball season is kicked off on the college side. But uh, they're a ranked team, have a highly touted pitching prospect as well uh what do you know about the the Hawkeyes on the baseball side yeah I mean they return they return a lot of guys from last year obviously it's pretty tough being a big 10 team in college baseball because you only get so many NCAA tournament bids um and they were fortunate to get one last year with the way that they played I think they were about like third in the big 10 a year ago um return a lot of guys they have some they have a pretty Solid uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday pitching rotation with Brody Brecht, who used to play for the Hawkeye football program as a wide receiver, but kind of he decided that his and it was clear that his upside as a uh, as a pitcher was a lot higher than you know the football diamond, especially with Iowa or the football the gridiron, especially with Iowa's uh, you know lack of offensive play and you know he was injured a lot. They had Marcus Morgan, who was a you know considered a uh, like a maybe G five quarterback coming out of high school and also a mid-major basketball player. And then Cade Obermuller, who is a, uh, you know, hard throwing left-hander, who's a pretty, pretty solid piece too. And they got some bats in the lineup as well. And he brought in a couple of transfers, a couple guys coming back from last year's team, like I said, and, you know, they, they have a chance to be pretty dang good this year. I mean, I think they were projected to finish first or second in the big 10. I know they're, projected in or their list in the top 25 right now i think they're at number 18 even after losing one game this weekend so there's a lot of optimism um they're doing some reservations to the stadium too in the next couple years which would be pretty good for the added interest with the program so you know a lot to be excited about in uh in iowa city when it comes to the uh the baseball program sean bach is our guest on the tapman's towing phone line let's talk some illinois and iowa basketball i'm sure as far as the hardwood goes, the Caitlin Clark and the women's team is it's gotten a lot of the spotlight, but there's I am imagining a lot of interest here recently and a, a late push for the tournament for the Hawkeyes on the men's side. Fran McCaffrey's program has made the tournament four straight years. Go back to the end of January, this team was they, they had lost on the road at Indiana. They were twelve and nine, four and six in the league, but now they're currently sitting sixteen and eleven, eight and eight. And riding some momentum, they beat Wisconsin and then at Michigan State earlier this week. So, Sean, what as we before we get into the matchup itself, what do you kind of big picture wise see change with Iowa here of late to 
now have some momentum and a chance to maybe make a tournament push? Yeah, I mean, looking back at some of those losses, too, I remember writing about for multiple of them. I'm like, well, now Iowa's NCAA tournament chances are kind of shot or, you know, very slim. I think I wrote that for about, I think I wrote it after the Maryland loss at home, uh, the Penn State loss on the road, and then the Maryland loss on the road. And, you know, that's that's kind of, I was already looking up NCAA, or, uh, NIT bracketology, mm-hmm. which is, you know, something I haven't really done. And it's been interesting to dive into a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's a different Iowa team compared to years past. I mean, you look at the last couple of years, you have Luca Garza, Joe Wieskamp, um, the Murray Twins. Like, there's a lot of talent in that group, and there's a lot of scoring that you could rely on. And there are guys that can shoot it from the perimeter really well. Um, and, you know, you talk about Jordan Bohannon, too. Like, that's another guy that can shoot it from deep. And, you know, Iowa has shooters this year, but it's a different offensive attack. They rely a lot on getting the ball to the basket, getting, you know, kind of getting into the teeth of the defense, obviously playing in transition. Peyton Sanford is their best three-point shooter. and a couple other guys that can occasionally hit the three, but, you know, Josh Dix has really stepped up as of late, and you know, there's a few other guys. But, I mean, you look at this team, they're, they're 336th in the country in, you know, three-point attempts per game. You know, they're not shooting the ball at number three, and, you know, their three-point distribution is 337. That's a really big change from some of these past Iowa teams that, you know, have really relied on shooting the three and obviously have guys that can get it inside too. But, you know, there's just a lot of, it's a lot of drives. It's a lot of, you know, kind of playing in transition like Iowa wants to do and, you know, playing through their big man too. I mean, Owen Freeman, uh, you know, I saw him a bunch of times in high school and, you know, that upside, that production, you know, or that outside was always there. There was always some really good skills that he had, but it, you know, to think what he's doing in his first year at Iowa has been really impressive and something that I think not a lot of people expected until later in his career. And ever since he's been added to the starting lineup, there seems to be more of a flow with the offense. Yes, they have their you know negatives, but there just seems to be more of a flow with this offensive group and, you know, just more like togetherness in a way than maybe previously in the year, like more understanding of who they are as a team. And, you know, I mentioned the three-point shooting. Obviously, they have a couple of guys who, who can fill it up from deep. But like I said, it's not a priority. Like, it's, it's just a weird, different team than the last couple of years. And, you know, it's starting, it's starting to come together a little bit. But, you know, in some of their losses this year, their biggest detriment has obviously been defense because as this as is the case with Illinois the past month and a half, like they, Iowa is not a very good defensive team, but one other big reason too, for their struggles has been the lack of consistency on the offensive end. There have been in each of their losses, there have been like probably a four or five minute span, maybe in the six minute span at certain points in the game where Iowa just cannot get a ball to get the ball to go through the hoop. And for a team that, you know, has to kind of rely on their offense to win games, that's not a good recipe uh, to, you know, kind of fall back on. So, you know, they they fall into these traps with these scoring droughts and, you know, other teams have been able to take advantage of it. I mean, look at the Maryland game back in January. I mean, Jameer Young had eight points in the last minute, 24 of the game. And, you know, I don't think Iowa had a field goal for the last four or five minutes of the game. You know, there's there's just certain scenarios like that where, you know, you have the offensive prowess, you have guys that can put the ball in the hoop, but can you do it consistent enough? Because, you know, on the other end, you know you're not, you're going to get minimal return depending on the po- opponent um, with your defensive play. So, I mean, not, I know we're going to talk about Illinois next, but, you know, that's kind of one of the big things that I'm worried about going into this matchup because, yes, Illinois has defensive issues, but, I think Iowa's off. I think Illinois' offensive prowess and offensive ability outmatches Iowa's offensive ability in that way. Sean Bach, you can follow on Twitter at sbach24. Does a great job for the Hawkeye Insider with twenty four seven Sports. Before we get into what Illinois brings to the table, uh, I did want to ask you, you. You brought it up, Owen Freeman, 
in-state product for Illinois, a target for the Illini at one point. Uh, I am surprised. I know you guys, after he committed to Iowa, obviously followed him a lot closer through the latter portions of his high school career. So I didn't see him as a senior at Moline and and what he was doing. But I wondered, a guy like that, yes, pretty, pretty darn skilled and but how would he handle the physicality of the Big Ten early? Obviously, the in, the early returns, and it's not really early anymore. It's almost March. Uh, a guy that's firmly, if not the favorite, to win Big Ten Freshman of the Year. I know Cam Christie's had a nice year at Minnesota as well. But what have you seen from him in, in terms of his ability to click like this so early? Yeah, I mean, I really think he's tapping into the skill set, and I really think he's tapping into – being a more of a high motor player than maybe we saw in college or in high school. Cause I remember I, I saw him, I think it was going into his junior year down at normal when I was there with you and Joey mm-hmm. and, you know, in watching him like Cooper Koch, who's also going to Iowa and Lathan Somerville, who was at Peoria Notre Dame at the time, like, yes, that Peoria Notre Dame team was better and had more guys than Freeman had with Bradley Bourbonnet. But you would think that a guy like Freeman would, you know, kind of show something or, you know, show some sort of dominance, you know, being that high major prospect at that time. But he really just didn't. And his junior year, he showed flashes. You know, there was there was positive moments that really liked from him, you know, being more forceful on the offensive end and, you know, having being a defensive anchor. But I think really that year at Moline with Brock Harding, um, another Iowa, you know, freshman was really important for him because I think Coach Sean Taylor that there Moline really kind of emphasized that confidence in him and, you know, kind of really like helped unlock certain things with him. But there were still some moments like throughout his senior year where you're kinda of like, Okay, Owen, like, you know, let's let's do something. But now I think at Iowa, like something has just kind of clicked where he's just constantly he's just constantly there. And, you know, he, does a really good job around the rim. Um, you know, he rebounds the ball well, plays good defense, protects the rim, can play in transition. There's been a couple stretches where he's blocked like two or three shots in a row. Um, he's just kind of unlocking himself. And I think Iowa and Fran McCaffrey receives, you know, should receive a lot of credit for that because they were able to do that with Luca Garza a bit too, um, you know, but later in his career. And, you know, I'm not saying that Freeman's going to have a Luke Garza caliber career, but, you know, there's clearly more long-term upside when it comes to the NBA with Owen Freeman than there was with Luke Garza. So the one the one caveat I will say about Freeman, though, this year is, is foul trouble. And I think a lot of that has to do with him being a freshman. And I talked about him being aggressive, him being more physical. I think there are times where he makes those, you know, he kind of makes that his mission. And he overplays and overdoes things in certain in certain matchups in certain games. Like there's been numerous times where Iowa has had to pull him early in the first half, and you know he hasn't he because of the two fouls and he doesn't return to the lineup because, as we know with Fran McCaffrey teams, if if you get two fouls in the first half, you are not seeing the floor the rest of that first half. And you know there's been times where that's happened and. You know, there have been times, too, in the second half where he's picked up two quick fouls. I think he only played like eight minutes against Michigan State because he picked up some, you know, kind of play some fouls where you're kind of like, oh, and what are you, what are you doing, man? Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there's he's been fantastic this year, though, when he can stay out of foul trouble. He has had a lot of really positive moments and, you know, makes a really big impact on the game because he can, you know, kind of get – he can get deflections on the perimeter. He can, you know, get into the passing lanes. He can protect the rim. He can finish around the rim. Um, there's been a couple times where he's had some welcome to the Big Ten moments uh, where Khalil Ware dunked on him one time, and it was like, what are you doing? Why are you jumping on that? But, I mean, at the end of the day, his, his impact and him going into the starting lineup has been has been huge for this team because it really gives Iowa another element, you know, offensively down on the interior where, you know, maybe Ben Cricky is not the best back-to-the-basket type finisher, but it also gives Iowa another option at the five on the defensive end of the floor. And while, you know, fouls have been an issue, he's still a really good rim protector and offers more resistance down there for a team that's really struggled with paint defense this year. A few more minutes here with Sean Bach, Hawkeye Insider. I want to ask you, 
is there any way this isn't a sprint to 90, 95 points? And if there is a way for Iowa defensively, what do you think they'll try to throw at Shannon? And how do you think that'll work? Of course, Marcus Damask is a guy that can really hurt people. Coleman, when he's shooting the three well, he's coming off a, a really poor performance against Penn State. We'll see if he bounces back. But what do you imagine Fran has in store defensively to try to battle what's been one of the best offenses in the country for Illinois? Yeah, I mean, that's what makes Illinois so difficult because, you know, you you can maybe, maybe go zone depending on the situation. But, you know, Illinois has guys who are capable of hitting the outside shot. Um, and in Iowa's case, like, I don't really know if there's anyone in this lineup who gets a lot of minutes who you can rely on guarding Terrence Shannon one-on-one because, like we were talking about before, Derek, like, I think the main thing for Iowa in this game is to play your game, but also find a way to tame Terrence Shannon with the way he's been playing because we saw it against Penn State, like, Illinois should have won that game, but... Terrence basically will almost willed them to a win. And if Illinois can't get the other guys to step up and, you know, do something more, then, you know, you have to rely on Illinois or you have to rely on Shannon if you're Illinois. And we saw what happened when that, you know, ended up losing them the game against Penn State. So it's, it's really fascinating because I honestly don't know if you can go man-to-man in this situation, I think there are certain matchups where you can do it. But I think, I I mean, I've probably had this vision like three or four times this week is where Taron Shannon gets downhill on transition or in the half court and Owen Freeman picks up his second foul in the first four or five minutes of the game. So I, I think they could go like more of a zone type because I think Tony Perkins could match up with Shannon a little, probably better than anyone else defensively, but you need him on the offensive end. You can't, you can't exert all of his energy on defense against Shannon because we know what, or what Perkins is capable of doing against Illinois and, you know, what he can be on the offensive end, especially it's more important for this team because of their offensive struggles. So I think if you're Iowa, I think you have to go some zone. I mean, it's, it's not ideal because I think Iowa struggles in the zone from time to time, but there have been situations too where, you know, teams have struggled against Iowa's zone. Nebraska was one of them. I think Iowa started in man to man in that game and Nebraska just ended up missing shots. So I think that's one of those things where if you can take away penetration from, you know, guys like Damask and, you know, take away drives from guys like Shannon then I think you put yourself in a better position, but you know, that's that's easier said than done. So I think the zone is probably going to be the most likely option for Iowa in this game to try and slow down Illinois' offensive attack. But I mean if you if you move the ball quickly against that Illinois zone, you're or against that Iowa zone, you're you're gonna be in good shape. <laughs> so yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I, I really don't know if I see this game going any other way than um you know like 89 to like 83 or something like that i think ken palm has it at 91 81 mm-hmm. um I, I would not be surprised if you know it's it's higher than that for both teams too last one for you sean i'm not asking you to be joe Lenardi here but how much does iowa need this game from their tournament standpoint they do get to go on the road to Northwestern, which would be a quad one. They host Illinois in the regular season finale. That'd be a quad one. So maybe it's not make or break this weekend, but what do you think the magnitude is of this game? If they get it, what that would mean, and if they don't, uh, what does that mean in terms of their tournament chances? Yeah, I mean, I think it would be – I know it would be massive because I think you need to win at least three of the four going down this – going in the rest of the regular season to really feel good or not really feel good but being like okay maybe we can afford you know to win only one game in the big 10 tournament i think if you lose like two of the four then you know that can really hurt your chances maybe you have to really make a run in the big 10 tournament so this one i wouldn't say it's the most important but it would obviously have the biggest impact Mm -hmm. i think depending on that 
I mean, it would obviously be the biggest impact because, you know, you're playing on the road against a quad one team. And um, so I, I think it would definitely have the biggest impact. But I think you, if you win three out of the four remaining for Iowa in the regular season, which is Penn State at home, Northwestern on the road, which I think is doable, even though Northwestern is a really tough place to play on the road. Um, I think that's doable to win three of the four. But, I mean, if you get two of the four and you kind of slip up against Illinois both times, you probably have to win at least two or, you know, you have to make it to Saturday maybe at least in the Big Ten tournament to feel somewhat comfortable. So, I mean, their chances on, on Bart Sorvik, I think, Going into the Michigan State game, Iowa's chances of making the tournament were like two point nine percent. And after that win over Michigan State, it was like it's like sixteen point seven or something like that. So I mean still a lot of work to be done, but I mean if you if you win again if you beat Illinois on Saturday then you know, you're feeling a lot better. But, you know, there's still on the wrong side of the bubble right now. So yeah, it's gonna you just gotta win games, man. Just win. It's as dumb as it sounds, like you just got to win. No doubt. Great stuff. Sean Bach, follow him on Twitter, at sbach 24-7. Like I said before, Hawkeye Insider does a great job over there. I know he'll write his uh, his preview up, so if, you wanna, if you're a subscriber to 24-7, definitely check his stuff out. We appreciate you joining us on the Tapman's Towing phone line, Sean. And uh, you going to be at the Big Ten tournament or anything like that? Uh, I'm not sure on that. I got some stuff going on the next couple of weeks with recruiting stuff. So gotcha. I think, uh, David will probably be up there. Okay. Well, I got it. If not seeing you, uh, during this, the rest of this season, I mean, although maybe in, in Iowa city, but also obviously on the, on the road, I know you do a great job recruiting wise, but we really appreciate your time, man. Good, good catching up with you. Yeah, for sure. Piper. Thanks again, man. I'll see you soon. Sounds good. Sean Bach. Good stuff on the Tapman's towing phone line. Man, it just feels like Illinois should score at will against this team. But can they get enough stops? It's very interesting. I have noticed that in their metrics, not that I've followed it closely throughout the season, but that to see Iowa not taking a lot of threes is interesting because that's very much against what I kind of think in my mind of an Iowa offense. Although the idea that, hey, like Sean said, the Hawkeyes want to get to the rim. If this same Illinois defense shows up, they shouldn't have a problem doing that. Whoops. I was just about to say, yeah, you think about an Iowa offense and they're not as lethal from the three-point line. Maybe they don't scare you as much. That actually scares me more in this matchup because they might just live in the lane just like every other team has. And if they're intent on getting Owen Freeman post-touches and getting the ball to Tony Perkins and some ball screens, letting him try to get downhill – boy, Illinois is going to need to fix some things. or Transition gonna, defense, too. Transition they're, defense. They're well, they play fast as heck. In uh, offensive pace. I still do think, though, I, I agree with that. I feel like you get into a shootout at home where it's just whoever's going to get more stops is going to win the game. On paper, I still trust Illinois to win that battle, especially at home. But, yeah, you better get some stops because, you know, it all it takes is one four-minute dry spell on offense – and your Swiss cheese on the defensive end, and mm-hmm. Iowa comes out of there and steals a 94-91 win. So, yeah, you got to you got to defend this team. But uh, I I agree with you. I feel like Illinois might be on a hundred watch tomorrow if they're clicking on offense. As Sean said, Ken Palm currently projects it Illinois to win 91-81, but it will be a battle. The way that Iowa has played of late, what they have at stake, like it's. This would be the biggest win on their resume, obviously, and they need to bolster that 16% up yeah, a lot more. they still are such a long shot for that tournament. I'm Unless they win tomorrow, I'm not really entertaining that thought yeah. all that much. They're yeah. still a long shot. I know Lenardi has them in his like, first four out, next four out, and then that next group that's not quite next four out is where he has them right now. Mm-hmm. So you imagine if you can't go get a massive road win at Illinois, your other chances left are – Northwestern, Penn State, and then Illinois at home. Now, if you did get at Northwestern, Illinois at home, you probably are in the next four, first four out and in a Big Ten tournament, so you do have a chance to play your way in. But, man, unless they win tomorrow, they probably got to, like, win the Big Ten tournament still. And wouldn't wouldn't uh, 
put a frown on my face to see Iowa not in the tournament this year. <laughs> no, no doubt. They're currently 63rd in the net. Three and seven in quad one games, five and three quad twos. Do have a quad three loss. I'd imagine that's losing at home to Michigan. Yeah, yeah, that's bad. That's not a good That's one. a really bad loss. That's about, <laughs> in terms of the high major level, that's as close to as bad of a loss as you'll find other than losing to DePaul anywhere. No doubt. Or, well, to, to play against another high major, of course, a high major team, that being Northwestern, as the home loss to Chicago State. Right, I'm talking about against like, the, against the yes, conference yes, team. Yes, you're right. That's a yeah, good that, point. And Northwestern, I think they're safe now after they get a win last night, and they also went to Indiana. Maybe not safe, safe. Like if they lose out, they probably miss it. But I think Northwestern's in a good spot. I don't know. I know Illinois Northwestern's supposed to be the big rivalry, but I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel good that Northwestern's. I want to see that. had some success. I here. want to see Boo in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you? That would be entertaining for sure. I don't. I respect Chris Collins, but he's I done know, with man. that program recently. I've got a lot he's of respect. He's one of my for him. favorite coaches, not other than our own coach, obviously. I just I think Chris Collins done a heck of a job. I think he's a really good in game coach. I think some of the stuff that he was running yes. against Illinois was yes. outstanding. Yes, killed them. And I like his passion. He's a fiery guy on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Where he's not like the demonstrative. I'm going to get in my player's face type, Brad Underwood type guy, but he will be all over that sideline like in a defensive stance and really getting into the game and obviously he runs Maybe. out on the court yeah. and is <laughs> confronting an official after 46 free throws for Purdue which Should've hey been. I like yeah I like that man we were having a fun co- I know we're gonna catch a break get to Brad Underwood but we were having kind of just a just for fun conversation if Brad were to take another job I don't think he will but who would Illinois pivot to next and there are, of course, some bigger fish out there that you'd have to take swings at. I know that Ohio State, like we discussed off the air, is going to make a huge run at Sean Miller, and why wouldn't Illinois do something similar? And there are some others that you would think of, but I brought up, why wouldn't you maybe talk to Chris Collins and say, I know that usually you don't make a move across a conference like that, but, man, the ability to recruit at a higher level at Illinois, to have the NIL, he would be someone that I'd at least – have on a list not saying it would happen and i'm not i'm definitely not saying that brad is leaving but it was just kind of a for fun conversation i that just shows that just more to the point that i i respect what chris collins is doing in northwestern definitely I, i'd have some questions about him as a recruiter now who recruits at northwestern like he's brought in some some solid pieces yeah. there maybe not the top four star guys but are those guys going to northwestern regardless who the coach is? i would still have some questions so i don't want a guy that you know, need good staff around him. In good staff around him, that's a good, good point. Yeah, I just have a couple questions about how, like, you know, will he be able to recruit at a level that Brad Underwood was recruiting at here? Yes, yes, that's that's very fair because Brad has elevated it to, you know, essentially pre Bruce Weber when you're having Bill Self here, which Illinois had had in a long time. On the note of Brad Underwood, we're going to hear from him. What he had to say at today's press conference regarding yesterday's intense practice, previewing also the matchup between his squad and and Iowa's coming up tomorrow. We'll do that next. Stick with us for that. This is The Drive. PDR Automotive has now been serving the Champaign-Urbana area for over 50 years. To give you some perspective, 50 years ago ended the U.S. involvement in the Vietnam War, and it was when Secretariat won the Triple Crown. So what does that mean for you and your vehicle? Whether you need a carburetor overhauled or your new vehicle computer system diagnosed or programmed, PDR Automotive has experienced knowledgeable staff that can handle all your automotive needs. Online at PDRauto.com, they are what's best for your truck or car. They are... PDR. In an ever-changing real estate market, it is so important to work with experienced agents like Russ and Nick Taylor with the Taylor teams at Taylor Realty Associates. They have the knowledge and expertise to get your home sold for the most amount of money in the shortest amount of time. Trust the experience and success of Russ and Nick Taylor with the Taylor team at Taylor Realty Associates. Give them a call today at 217-355-0700 or visit them online at taylorboys.com. That's taylorboys.com. Hey, where are you headed? To Kelsey Furniture in Tuscola. What do they have there? What don't they have there? 
Living room furniture, benches, chests, love seats, sectionals, tables, bedroom sets, hutches, nightstands, end tables, cabinets, mirrors, stools, clocks, lamps, pillows, rugs, desks, media consoles, patio furniture, Tempur-Pedic mattresses, and more. So, everything. Yeah, probably could have uh, just said that. Kelsey Furniture, quality for less. Basketball star Coleman Hawkins on the general manager of Pacifica on Green, Lisa Lauer. Uh, she's great. We got connected, and uh, ever since then, I've been super grateful for her. Uh, she's a great person, and, and she really looks out for me. You know, anything anything I need, she tries to get it done for me, and uh, it's super great to have someone who, who I feel like I can trust and someone who, you know, I want to do something for in the future to really help her out because she's helped me out a lot. Visit them at PacificaOnGreen.com. Thank you for choosing two men in a truck. How may I help you? Hi, I have a strange question. What happens if it snows on moving day? I don't want my furniture to get wet and destroyed. Well, that's not strange at all. We have the same concerns for your furniture. With over 9 million moves completed, our team is experienced to handle any weather conditions. Because we pad and stretch wrap your furniture before we put it on the truck, we'll make sure your belongings are safe and dry no matter what the forecast says. Not sure how your move is going to work? Go to twomenandatruck.com for your free estimate. We all have a mission in life, something that drives us to explore, to grow, to love. And when we discover it, we're made whole. At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible. We're here for you on your schedule to make your life just a little bit easier. Whatever your mission is, we're here to support it. Your life, our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org mission. Sun came up. That's a good thing. Um, obviously, a tough one um, at uh, at Penn State. Um, we uh, did a lot of really, really good things in that game. Um, my hats off to Penn State. Um, they played great. Um, maybe the best environment I've been in in the Big Ten. My ears were still ringing uh, the next day. By far and away, the loudest building in the Big Ten. Uh, they should play all their games there. Uh, was, I thought it was t- terrific atmosphere. Um, but uh, they never quit. Um, we did just about everything wrong that we could do wrong uh, in the last three minutes. And, um, you know, when, when you're um, not mentally sharp, which we weren't, um, you know, those things catch up to you. So... Um, again, uh, we haven't watched one second of the film. We haven't talked about it. It's on to Iowa. Everybody's pretty well aware of what mistakes that were made. Uh, we got back after it yesterday, had one of the most intense practices we've had. Um, you know, as I say, it was a Brad Underwood practice. And uh, uh, we've got to get back to garden. We've got to get back to playing with some tenacity. We've got to quit fouling. Uh, we've got a great Iowa team coming in, coming off a great win. Uh, that uh, you know they have one of the outstanding freshmen in Owen Freeman um, playing great. Uh, Sanford's playing at a at a very very high level. Um, you know Fran probably does as good a job as developing guys as anybody in the country on the offensive side. Um, and uh, you know Perkins has turned into a to a pro. So. Uh, very good Iowa team. They're going to mix up their defenses. They'll press, play zone, do what they always do. And um, offensively, um, you get two teams playing at a really high level on that end. And, and um, you know, we've got we've to get back to, to, to Garden on the other end. Coach, the France teams always seem to be able to put points on the board. What, is there something unique about their, you know, their system offensively that, that you have to prepare for? They do an unbelievable job of developing guys. Um, you know, I, I always go back to the Twins. I mean, they, they had Western Illinois offers, and now they're both in the NBA. Um, they, you know, Luca was a backup on his AAU team, uh, multiple-time All-American. Um, but, uh, you know, they run motion. They have great freedom on, on the offensive end. He surrounds them with shooters. Um, you know, it, it's... it's uh, um, you know they 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 take and make hard shots. They do that as well as anybody in the league. Uh, 
Um, but uh, whether it's Dix, whether it's um, Perkins, um, you know, they've got guys off the bench. Their bigs always shoot it. Um, they just do a great job with, with, with guys at the, on that end of the court. They play fast. They're high possessions. Um, you know, they're a top 10 or 11 team, I think, offensively. So, um, you know, it should be a, an exciting game from that side of things. I guess, I mean, how is it, Coach, do you decide that maybe the game film is not worth maybe watching in the wake of We knew. We, 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 there, it wasn't – we can talk about the, the physical mistakes we made or, you know, I mean, Coleman's made free throws all year. Um, obviously, he knows he shouldn't have fouled. Um, we, we took a quick shot. All those things are identifiable. Those aren't physical. You know, Terrence shouldn't have dribbled against the press. We got three guys open. Um, you know, those things are, are, are mental mistakes. And, and, and when your mental's, you know, when you're not maybe as, 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 I don't know, dialed in as you need to be, uh, we missed a lot of free throws. We've been shooting the cover off free throws. Um, you know, there's just, there was just, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, there's no need, you know, and, and, uh, I was more disappointed and we got a stop on the first possession and they scored eight straight, you know, and it's just, it's, it's, it's our, our fight on the defensive end and, and Penn State's very talented offensively. We knew that, but, uh, I thought we did a great job on ACE. Um, you know, we're not even close to Garden. Hicks on the last shot, and Coleman has to recover. Um, you know, just just mental breakdowns, and and those are things that uh, um, you know we can look at and film all we want. We can talk about all we want. We got to solve them on the court. Talk about a Brad Underwood practice. What are the qualities or staples of, of that particular description? That's why you haven't been in one. You won't be in one because it was it was highly competitive, and I was ready to stay till eleven o'clock if we needed to be there till eleven o'clock. Uh, we were, we were, uh, I was getting back to, to, to coaching and, and, and demanding and, and holding guys accountable and, um, we'll see. What do you need from Quincy to get back to who he was a few weeks ago? Yeah, I, gotta, I need to play him more. He's Quincy's a really good player. And, um, you know, I, there, that's Quincy's doing fine. He was one of our best players yesterday in practice and he's got some toughness and, and fight and, and, you know, he's like anybody else. He's going to make some, a few mistakes and, and, um, but he can make up with it, with his athleticism and, um, you know, his, his we got to get him back rebounding. You know, it was very painful the other night, Ty's fouls, Ty had five offensive rebounds. You know, he was the, the, the 15 minute guy. You know, I uh, played 50 minutes and I had five offensive rebounds, seven rebounds. He was dominating the game, and um, we got to have him on the court more. Uh, he's 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 a he's another one. We need we need him and Quincy. You mentioned, I guess, Tuesday. Just the, the the things differently you did against Maryland, maybe because of that matchup defensively that you didn't necessarily like. Do you consider changing? You know, something about your All defense. The time. But again, but again, you've got to have a team that mentally can handle change. You know, you don't just change because you think schematically it's 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 great. You know, we're we're trying to become really good at, at, at what we do and not throw a lot out there. You got to have guys that can mentally handle uh, change. And uh, you know, we, we've made we made some subtle changes yesterday. Uh, but um, again, you've got to be able to to to. You know, not we're not going to scrap what we do. You know, we've we've been doing it all year, and and most importantly, it was really good earlier in the year. So it's a it's a having the ability to 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 sustain and and be able to 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 do it. I mean, we're getting an unbelievable defense from Terrence Shannon. The job he did on Ace was incredible, and um, but you know, right now, I mean, we gave up four back cut layups. Uh, that's all we talked about. That's all Penn State does: is shoot threes and back cut. And their rule is they see the back of your head, they cut. And you know we gave up four of them. We gave up three out of bounds. We haven't given up three baskets on out of bounds plays that we covered. That we covered. There's no. 
substitute that baseline outs are just being physical and 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 not getting knocked off and not getting screened and we haven't done that all year and again there's a mental toughness that has to come with that and it's 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 one or two guys and that's got to stop or i got to stop playing really simple what do you think of the minutes dre and imani were able to provide you off the bench on wednesday yeah, I probably should have played them more. Should have played them more. They've they've earned, they've earned the right. Uh, Draven has been um, a very very consistent worker throughout. He's been playing hard. He's not he hasn't shot the ball great yet. Uh, we see it every day in practice. But he made a great drive. And then defensively, he's just you know he's got Trent like uh, characteristics in terms of of not getting screened and being athletic and able to recover. Um, you know. Amani's a stump. You know, he's got really strong lower base. He doesn't get backed up. He's, he's, he makes tough, hard-nosed plays. He had great, great play in the first half. And, and um, you know, I, I love that, that aspect of it. And he's just starting to kind of get back from his injury and being out a month. And, uh, but, I, but I thought both those guys were great. Obviously, very familiar with Owen Freeman, a kid from the state of Illinois that are, are you surprised at all by the freshman season that he's having? Has there been a better freshman big man in the conference? Um, I would probably think Owen and maybe Christy at Minnesota are probably the top two freshmen. Um, and um, yeah, he's he's been he's been spectacular. He's big, strong. He's a pro. I mean, he's a pro. It's what they look like, and I mean, he's. You know he's he's can handle it. He puts it on the floor. He's he's had a he's had a great year and and um, uh, you know he's he's continued to improve throughout what freshmen do. Continue to improve throughout the season. You mentioned it in your opening, but not being in their huddle or not being in their practices. What are you seeing that Fran's able to do with somebody like Tony Perkins that over a four-year period he's able to be what he is now? Yeah, it's a tribute to the kid. I mean, he just continues to work and. And, and get better. I mean, there was a kid who was a wing player that he's moved to the point, and and um, you know he's he's an efficient shooter. He's he's a, a strong uh, ball handler. He's a really good decision maker. He's an effective defender. Um, you know, he's got God's gifts. I mean, size and strength and athleticism, and and just now you put the mental. Uh, with what he's done, you know, obviously making his game better. Um, you know, you got one of the outstanding players. And, and again, you know, Fran just – Fran does a great job of, of, you know, whether it was Luca and changing his body and getting him to play or, um, you know, he's always had those, you know, the Wies camps and, you know, those guys who were, um, you know, just – just got better and just continued to grow on big wings who could shoot and Sanford said that this year and um, so you know his guys his guys play with with um, great confidence on the offensive end and and they mix up their defenses and and uh, uh, they've gotten better and did the timeline of like maybe when Amani was dealing with the, the injury and like the the chunk he missed what kind of impact did that make have on a freshman's development just to maybe miss time this year? Yeah, well, any time a freshman misses development, especially when you're getting, you know, he's, he, he was on the cusp of, we played him early, you know, and that's, that's okay. Those are, those are opportunities to get your feet wet. And, but, you know, real game stuff. And, and you got to go through some of the, the, the trials and tribulations of, of what I call real games, you know, that, that, that are like opponents and, and, and battles. And, and um, um, it's one thing to do it in practice. It's another thing to do it in games and carry scouting report over and do it in front of fans and, and hostile environments. And um, so it was never easy for him. That's not that's hard. Uh, he's a very cerebral kid. Um, you know, I think he's a guy that's ultra competitive. Um, he's got a he's got a nasty, nasty side to him, which our team needs. And um, I love and, um, you know, so it's nice to get that back, but it, it was unfortunate uh, because he was in a position to, to really start helping us. He, he, he played multiple spots, the four and the five. And um, but but I like the fact we could have him back as, as we head into March. 
a tradition of excellence over 150 years in the making. At Busey Bank, we're committed to building relationships that span generations. Wherever your journey in life leads you, we are with you along the way, creating a legacy for you and your family. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868, proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. Member FDIC. Hi, this is Amanda Jean, the founder and planner of Inspire Your Wedding and Events. After the big yes, are you daydreaming about the big I do? Join us for premier, interactive, immersive, inspirational wedding showcase to bring together vendors and couples from all over central Illinois for your big day. Come away with ideas and vendors that will make your wedding one of the most inspiring days of your life. Save the date on Saturday, March 23rd at the historical and unforgettable Orpheum in downtown Champaign. For complete details, visit inspireyour.com. That's inspireyour.com. Looking for a place to host a corporate meeting, intimate gathering, or a large-scale celebration? If so, the University of Illinois' Alice Campbell Alumni Center offers the perfect space and staff to make your function a success. A few rooms offered at the center include the elegant ballroom, the Richmond Family Gallery, and the premier and professional executive boardroom. For more information on renting a space at the Alice Campbell Alumni Center, visit uiaa.org alumni center or call 1-800-355-2580. Go Illini. You've heard about the doggy bag, right? From Bulldog Disposal Muhammad, a six cubic yard canvas bag that can be used for easy cleanup instead of a big dumpster. The one-time use bag is now available and you can save the delivery charge. Get the doggy bag at Do It Best Hardware in Champaign at 107 West Springfield. So fill up the bag, call Bulldog Disposal, have it disposed of, and you'll be organized. Go to bulldoggybag.com for all the details. That's bulldoggybag.com. Your cleaning can make a big difference, and not just in your own home. As you're decluttering your house this spring, consider donating your unwanted items to Habitat Restore, located at 119 East University in Champaign, near First in University. The Restore's happy to take your gently used furniture, housewares, home decor, building supplies, appliances, and more. Drop off your items during their business hours, Tuesday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., or call 217-359-0507. That's 217-359-0507, and schedule a free pickup. Every item donated to the ReStore will help fund Habitat for Humanity's home builds, with local families in need of safe, decent, and affordable housing. For more information, visit cuhabitat.org. Watch out, Missouri Valley. Kyle and I are coming from you. For you, I should say. I've been messing up my words. You got a dad brain. They say it's a real thing. But uh, we're raiding the Missouri Valley for the next potential impact transfers. I was saying during the break, if Brad falls in love with another Missouri Valley guy, it's got to be the easiest sell of all time to say, look what Marcus Damas just did in our program. Here's some NIL. Come to Illinois. Yeah. I mean, come on. I was looking at Tucker DeVries from Drake, 21 a game, six and a half rebounds per game, three and a half assists. That's a six six. Maybe uh admittedly I haven't watched any of Drake this year, but I know his dad's the coach at Drake, so uh, that's probably why you're probably not prying him away from there. Gotcha. Gonna have to go behind dad's back for that one. Uh on the note of transfers and NIL and the NCAA is spending a lot of money in court, and hopefully maybe not too much because they're losing left and right. They just lost in a case, or there's a temporary restraining order against the NCAA's rules regarding NIL and booster involvement. So essentially what they're, this ruling means is that the NCAA cannot prevent NIL from being discussed, essentially direct pay-for-play conversations with universities' involvement, uh, and boosters for boosters to have direct dialogue with recruits and transfers and prospective athletes about you get this if you come here. So this is getting more and more like just flat out 
straight up what it is what it is discussions of it's semi-pro basketball it's semi-pro football to go to this spot this is what we can offer you in, in terms of like a essentially a contract and that's what it's going to look like so uh if you want something and you play college athletics i'd suggest you sue the ncaa and you'll probably win yeah it's the way it's going that's, that's how it's gone that's why jeremiah williams is playing even though he got uh involved in some illegal gambling and that's why multi-year transfers are currently playing because andre curbello got ejected yeah. last night for southern miss good lord that guy how you feel bad i do he would he was on pace to be a all-time point guard after his freshman year he'd be a senior right now with coleman right Mm-hmm. man at that trajectory from that end of his it'll, it'll be one of the bigger what ifs there's a lot of them of course you could go on what if when Jalen Brunson told his dad, allegedly, that after his first official visit, he wanted to come to Illinois, and Rick Brunson said, all right, what would that have looked like for John Gross and, and whatnot? But one of them is if Andre Curbelo stayed the same as he was late in that year and played a full four years, he should have been Illinois' Cassius Winston type. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the jump shot would have had to come around, or it would have just been a knock that he didn't ever develop. But, boy, he was fantastic on the stretch of that season. He was as fun to watch as anyone on the team. Team that had Io Desunmu, Kofi Coburn, yeah. Trent Frazier. Andre might have been the most fun guy to watch down the stretch of it's that year, point. Big Ten tournament. It's a good point. Man, and he was he was huge in that Big Ten tournament. Oh, man. Uh, a 217 says, if Illinois were to get bounced in the first weekend again this year, do they consider a coaching change? No. Absolutely not. And if not, how many short-lived postseasons until that is the case? Just keep pumping out top fifteen teams in the country that are like, yeah, I get it. If if you're gonna tell me Brad Underwood loses in the first round the next three years with yeah. four seeds, yeah, okay, we're gonna have a discussion about that. But man, guys recruiting it at high levels, got a McDonald's All American snub coming in next year. He's proven he can go out and be about as good as any coach out there at bringing in transfers and transfers that fit. Ah. And it just keeps pumping out top 15 teams aside from last year. I don't, I don't know, man. If you want to see what else is out there, I don't know if you'll like the outcome. Yeah. We, we could obviously go longer on this. We're at the end of the show, so we won't. We could talk more as we go along and probably will when we get close to NCAA tournament time in terms of what's on the line. But if, Illinois, if this Illinois team gets bounced in the first round in particular – the grumblings are going to get really, really loud. I don't think and Josh Whitman's going to do anything. Yeah, and they the criticism is fair, but I think there needs to be a, a middle ground between. All right, let's fire Underwood, yes. and that's this is fine. Like I'm not telling you, I'm not asking you to accept losing in the first mm-hmm. round as a four seed or whatever the outcome may be. Having an 18 year Sweet 16 drought, you can be frustrated about that, but should be a middle ground there in terms yes. of recognizing what Brad Underwood has done.